0: Welcome or welcome back, this is Duly Noted and I'm your host, Amy. Unlike other episodes, I have chosen to research, put together, and educate myself on today's topic, as it is a serious topic. However, disclaimer, I do not have all the information, and this is just my conclusion on the information I amassed. In today's episode, I will be talking about the holes in the American standard of terrorism, which begins with a definition of the subject. In a Britannica article, John Philip Jenkins defined terrorism as the use or threat of violence that seeks to create fear not just within the direct victims, but among a wide audience. He highlights that by the 20th century, the definition had shifted from a state-enforced to a state-targeting point of view, aimed to influence policy or topple an existing regime. It's the use of fear, however, that is known to differentiate terrorism from any other form of warfare. This fear can either be used to push people towards violent actions or to push a multitude into submission in any sense of the word. Terrorism as a subject revolves around certain motivations, the most common being race, religion, and politics. As terrorism is founded in fear, Terrorists often resort to high-profile, often violent attacks, such as hijackings, hostage-takings, kidnappings, mass shootings, and bombings. These acts of terrorism will often take place in areas residents believe to be safe or sufficiently guarded. Schools, malls, nightclubs, transportation stations, etc. However, for many different reasons over time, many different countries, or the peoples of that country, have engaged in violent acts against their government or the government of another, of which some could be classified as terrorism, for example, the resistant movement against the Nazi party, or the ANC against Arpathade, hence the phrase, one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. This led social scientists to adopt a new definition to terrorism, one that was not based on criminality but instead on civilian casualties. Now to truly link America into this we must define the concept not just by their media but by their government as well. According to federalcharges.com, international and domestic terrorism are defined in federal law under 18 U.S.C. 2331 as violent or dangerous acts that endanger human life and violate state or federal law. Furthermore, such acts are intended to coerce or intimidate civilians, or are intended to influence government policy or government conduct through mass destruction, kidnapping, or assassination. Seeing that all this information on the definition of terrorism exists, you would think that there would be a strong bipartisan opinion against terrorism of any kind. However, like most things you thought you knew about America, you would be wrong. According to an article by Cindy Otis on Teen Vogue, on October 30, a 29-year-old man drove a rental truck down a bike path in Manhattan, killing eight people and injuring at least 11. Soon after, authorities and Donald Trump labeled the incident as a lone wolf terrorist attack. According to the federal prosecutors, a handwritten note that pledged an affinity to ISIS was found near the truck. This attack came less than a month after a white American man killed over 50 people and wounded over 500 in a Las Vegas shooting. This incident being the largest shooting in modern US history was not classified as terrorism. To further illustrate my point, we look at the Kenosha shootings which in their right are not classified as terrorist attacks, but murders. On the 23rd of August, Jacob Blake, a 29-year-old black man, was shot in the back seven times by a police officer in front of his children. This act of police brutality incited protests in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Two days later, on the 25th, Kyle Rittenhouse, a 17-year-old white male, traveled across state lines, armed, and killed two protesters and injured another. In this case, we could say that the police force has become a terrorist organization that operates on the principle of one man's terrorist and another man's freedom fighter. A terrorist to black Americans across the continent and a freedom fighter to America's conservative white supremacists. This is proved by the sheer fact of police brutality being fueled by race in that not only did this officer shoot at a civilian, which can obviously be written off as a mistake, but he did it seven times in the presence of other police officers. The community that is then white conservative Americans, or those who identify with the current Republican Party, made Kyle feel empowered to cross state lines, armed and freely kill people, which he knew was gonna happen as he was interviewed prior to the shooting and admitted to not having any non-lethal ammunition. In cases as such, we must then ask ourselves, what backs the American non-challenge towards white perpetrated terrorism? Perhaps the fact of it being a nation in itself founded on terrorism. Having briefly covered the subject of white perpetrated domestic terrorism versus terrorism perpetrated by immigrants, especially those of color, the standards of terrorism are then questioned to be astronomically impacted by the race of the perpetrator. To truly understand the question of American governmental support of terrorism, we must look into the government themselves and their history with terrorism. Prior to having a government, the ancestors of the modern-day European Americans, also known as the white Americans, built the country on the blood of the land's natives, who they now hide away in reserves. The genocide of the Americans by European invaders gave birth to the America that we know today. We move on to the American invasion of Africa and the enslavement of the African people, whose descendants they continue to oppress today. The American culture of terrorism becomes apparent when you realize that they fought a war between themselves to keep the enslaved people as objects to serve in their farms and factories. We move to the American presence in places such as Vietnam and Afghanistan, some of which still feel the effects of American civilian targeted terrorism. However, we will not be covering those places in today's episode diving further into the concept of a government built on terrorism we see that the trump administration wasted no time taking full advantage of the facilities at their disposal in july 2020 citizens of portland oregon exercised their right to protest fighting against what was a proven system of racial prejudice injustice and flat-out murder the administration responded to these rightful citizens by deploying troops i kid you not Federal troops to disperse the protesters were there irresponsible and violent people among the mostly peaceful protesters Yes, but is that a justification to use tear gas rubber bullets federal troops and firearms and civilians killing some and injuring most in the process? No Never to look at the definition of terrorism again the use or threat of violence that seeks to create fear not just within the direct victims but among a wide audience According to this, we can state the following, the Trump administration and all of his followers can be labeled as a terrorist organization, proven by the following summary, motivated by profits, racial biases, and political standing, the Trump administration both deployed and encouraged violence to build fear that would stop the protesters from implementing their rights to protest his system's biases and political standing. Over the last few weeks, the world has witnessed the extremism and true culture of the American far-right by way of what some are calling an insurrection. However, what does the American Standard have to say about this event? This takes us back to the beginning of the episode where I had mentioned terrorism revolving around fear and being motivated by things like race, religion, and politics which are all aimed at influencing governmental policy or government conduct through mass destruction, kidnapping, or assassination. With that said, let's break down the Capitol riot. A group of political extremists armed with guns after instigation by their leaders proceeded to the U.S. Capitol with aims to kidnap, harm, and possibly assassinate members of Congress to achieve the objective of overturning the election. Or in summary, an armed mob stormed a government building in hopes of committing violent crimes to incite a change in political decision. This my friends, is textbook terrorism. So surely, the Great America would have protected the Capitol, right? Wrong. The Capitol on that day was understaffed, unprotected, and compromised. This massive group of terrorists apparently did not warrant the use of governmental forces. However, that case changes when it comes to a man shopping, a boy jogging, someone going out for a snack, a woman sleeping, and young children playing. In all those cases, governmental forces were called, and all those mentioned above peaceful and not even in protest were brutally murdered. What was the difference? Race. So the question is. Are Black and POC lives more threatening than guns? And what backs the American non-challenge towards white perpetrated terrorism? Now, before I finish, disclaimer. By no means am I calling all white Americans or conservatives terrorists or white nationalists. I am simply stating what I have amassed through my research. Thank you guys for listening. If you have any questions, feel free to tweet or DM me. Make sure you do your own research and I will see you next time.